Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Jesse. And, and we're, we're the, the DMs, DMs of Vancouver. Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing. So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of DMs of Vancouver. Today we're going to be talking about the online D&D community. Today we're talking to Steve Wynn. How's it going, Steve? Uh, things are going fantastic. Thanks for having me. Okay, uh, no problem. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How long you've been playing? How long you've been DMing? Anything else that's relevant? Yeah, so like a lot of people, I started D&D kind of in the high school uh, area, uh, where that kind of brings me to like 15 years of DMing or so. So I have a lot of experience um, in-person, meat-space type DMing, but uh, as time's gone on and you know I've kind of dealt this professional career, not really to D&D, um, online gaming has really enabled me to kind of stay in touch with friends, really keep exploring the game and kind of the different you know nuances about it, which has been fantastic for me. Excellent. Cool. So what kind of communities are there for DMs and or players um, online? Awesome. Uh, yeah, so probably the easiest one to kind of just dive in and, and play around with is probably the Reddit communities. Um, our D&D is probably the biggest one with like a bajillion uh, different subscribers. Uh, so you get a big kind of diverse look at the, the industry and the community. Um, that one, it gets pretty noisy and pretty fast paced. So if you're looking for something a little more specific, there's things out there like uh, DM Academy, which focuses just on DM advice and what have you. There is DM behind the screen, which really focuses on world building and kind of encounter building and things like that. Uh, very, very word heavy on that one. Um, and then you have the fun ones like Green Text, uh, which is a lot of sharing stories that are fun. Generally, uh, sometimes they're kind of touching and things like that. In addition to that, there are the Discord communities, uh, which are fantastic. And I, I've really started to take a shine to them for the, the laid back chat type uh type scenario they have so dm mentors guild is one that i'm pretty active in uh and that one is not affiliated with reddit it's just a whole bunch of dms who just talk about the uh the art of it and then you know there's ones like uh our dm academy which is affiliated with the subreddit um but it's a discord uh server so people can chat and kind of work things out in a more uh back and forth type fashion rather than like a forum based one yeah i've got some experience with uh the dm behind the screen on reddit I found that that one is pretty great for finding uh, homebrew content or um, like not quite full adventures, but like really great starting points for story hooks and plots and stuff like that. So like prompts and stuff or? Yeah, sometimes they do prompts like they, um, I remember this was I think a while ago they had a, it wasn't so much a contest but it kind of was i can't like but it's basically they have this thing where they do every month where um they'll have a, a topic um okay. like halloween it might be like you know scary plots or stuff like that and you get a lot of in in those threads you can find a lot of great ideas for how to do a halloween theme game or how to do um something based around eric okra or whatever the topic is oh cool yeah, yeah, they're, they're like really interesting challenges that kind of force the community to say, hey, here's a scenario, what can you do with it? Um, I'm not too involved in those, I guess, competitions that you say with quotes, um, but I remember one that was, you know, build an Assassin's Guild. And, you know, a lot of games are going to have that, but it's really cool to see the whole diversity um, of what people can come up with. So you have the traditional, you know, Assassin's Creed type stuff all the way down to the, uh, 
the hobo peasants that uh, actually form together to make assassins. It's fantastic. Yeah, and another thing that I liked is that they got a... Um, they did something over the course of a year, which was like they they, they created um, like an quote-unquote in-universe encyclopedia of monsters. So like they do like a monster a week or a month or something where they create... Um, like detailed lore entries for these monsters like you know where will you find them in the wild and what are their feeding habits and and hunting habits or how do they interact with you know sentient beings and stuff like that and it was pretty neat to see the community coming up with all of this stuff and creating like more detailed background than what you find in the monsters manual yeah there's definitely a lot of love that goes into it just on that idea they have one on spells as well so people are writing out how people came to discover magic missile and kind of uh what you need to do with it where your mindset has to be and things you need to study in order to cast a really good magic missile and i I just i love that kind of fluff there it makes it feel really really kind of real it's uh it's uh engaging yeah and it can be a great jumping off point for you know if you're creating a homebrew world like Having some of this stuff as background can help you figure out like, okay, well, I've got a city or a town in this area and it's got, you know, it's in a forested region. So these are the kind of monsters that are going to be there because, you know, I'm using all this stuff from the, the subreddit as a jumping off point so that I don't have to think of everything myself. That monster encyclopedia sounds great, too, for uh, when characters do knowledge roles. So instead of just looking at the book and going, you know that they're resistant to fire, you can... <laughs> actually read an entry that's kind of in universe as opposed to a, a meta entry that you'd find in the monster manual or something like that um okay uh steve uh you've already talked a bit about the communities you're involved in but which ones are you like probably most closely involved with uh i would say i'm most closely involved with dm's mentors guild that discord server mostly because um i really like that back and forth it's a little bit more laid back and i really like how it focuses just on on dms um the conversation doesn't ever really get bogged down by talking about what player choices that can make players trying to optimize their characters things like that everyone really focuses on really the table meta how to run a really good table things that you struggle with and other ideas um the experience is both uh in the game and out of the game and encounter building which is really really interesting um What's great about it is because it's so fast paced, but not too, too fast. Um, I get a big breadth of, you know, different experiences to pull from. So, I mean, I had a conversation with a really old first edition DM who's transitioned to fifth edition. And we had a great conversation about the old school way of doing things where it was really DM versus player, um, which I've never really played like. But he was giving me kind of the experiences he had and, and the positivity that comes out of it. And I probably couldn't get that kind of story anywhere else. So that was fantastic. Yeah, some of these the communities like I've only been on the the Reddit side of things. I haven't checked out the Discord ones, but the experience of being able to talk to players who have been playing since first edition or who come from very different uh, DMing backgrounds because maybe they started in a system like Traveler or or GURPS or something like that, where it has a very different mindset, and you get exposed to a very different way of running games, which sometimes can just breed conflict because everybody feels like their way is better. But sometimes you get some really great discussions around, you know, how do you lead players through a story without railroading or like all kinds of different things. And it's can be pretty amazing at times. Yeah. And, you know, that's not to say it's not a perfect community. I mean, obviously some people come in and say, 
hey, this thing that you're running, that's a bad idea. And then, you know, sparks will start flying and some people can get pretty heated about it because obviously tables are really personal to us. But in general, things stay pretty cool, pretty level-headed and good conversations generally come out of it. So I'm very happy to be active in that community. So are, are some of these places better for advice versus just like, you know, everyday discussion around like, oh, I've got a problem. I just need somebody to help me hash it out. Or are all of them kind of on equal footing with regards to like advice versus discussion? Um, It really depends. So, I mean, there's other discords too that move really, really fast. And I don't really enjoy those ones because I feel the advice you get, um, <laughs> it's usually people who spam it the most kind of get through to you. So for example, the really big discords like Matt Colville's, uh, if you try to ask a question on there, uh, it's going to get buried like lickety split. Um, and it's tough to really have an in-depth conversation about it. Um, so if you go to a, a slower moving discord like DM Mentors Guild or DM Academy, uh, people can talk about a topic for quite a while. DM Academy is a little bit slower, which means the same talk topic can be talked about for a day or two days. Whereas DM Mentors Guild, usually topics live for about uh, an hour to four hours. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually part of a, a Slack group for, um, there's a group called the Falconeers. They do, I don't know if they're, they're doing a lot, um, like a, an actual play of D&D, but they do have a website where they post recaps and stuff. I think they are doing an actual play now that I think about it, but they've got a Slack channel where, you know, people can, uh, can join and they talk, they have a one, they have a channel for players and a channel for DMs. And it's kind of the same thing where, you know, if you've got something that you need to talk about, like as a player or as a DM, like you've got a, a problem that you need a, a solution for having a conversation that moves a little bit slower where you can like really hash something out for an hour or two. Um, it's a lot nicer than other places. Like I'm part of a couple of other discord groups where, yeah, the conversation is kind of blisteringly fast. And in those places, it kind of feels like you're just, shouting into the void and hoping for you know a message in a bottle back yeah it can be really tough uh it's cool that you're using slack though because slack has great threading uh so it's it's harder to lose conversations you're really interested in discord is not there yet and if you know the server you're on doesn't set up their channels in a very conducive way to that type of conversation then you know you could really struggle with certain things but again all these communities have pros and cons Reddit can be a mixed bag as well. If you have a really cool idea, you post that, you can have great conversations that can last, you know, a couple of days. But if it gets downvoted right off the get-go and never makes it to the front page, well, you know, you're kind of stuck. Yeah, one of the things I've seen with Reddit, um, mostly on the the main D&D subreddit, not so much on on behind, behind the screen or some of the other ones, is it feels like every so often there's just like this group mind downvote everything that comes up immediately because you know there's been a rash of image posts or something so we just need to downvote everything so that it feels like they want they're trying to like scare people away a little bit but it's just like a weird i think that's more a reddit thing than something specific to the D community though where it's just like the way the platform works sometimes you like conversations just don't get started because your t your your post has been hidden because a bunch of people downvoted it straight away rather than actually taking the time to talk about it. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. The the sub the D and D subreddit definitely feels like it's from Reddit. Uh, for all its pros and all its cons. 
can you tell us about some times you've gotten or, or maybe given useful advice through uh, one of these resources, probably through uh, DM's, DM Mentors Guild on Discord? Yeah, so DM's Mentors Guild was interesting. A lot of times, just in recent memory, a lot of people have been asking questions about encounter building, um, which is always a really tough subject because everyone does it differently. Um, what's nice about the Discord is that everyone kind of threw in their you know, two cents. So this one poor person who said, hey, I'd like to make this encounter more interesting, got like 10 different suggestions. And what was nice was, you know, of those 10 suggestions, two really resonated with that DM. And they started tagging those people who suggested those things, started asking more questions, trying to get more specifics on it. Um, and for the other eight people who, you know, it didn't really, didn't really stick with that DM, they could just kind of lay it off. They didn't really say anything else for the rest of the conversation which is great for that one person. For those eight people, I feel kind of bad because like they're not being, they're not getting attention. <laughs> but, you know, that's the way I kind of, that's the way cookie crumbles sometimes. As far as advice, the encounter building was fantastic. I've also heard some people talk about problems they have at the table. That comes up less frequently. Uh, but sometimes someone walks in and is like, you know what, I had a, I have a problem. I have players who don't show up. Have Has anyone encountered that? And, and what did you do? And then it becomes kind of a storytelling session. And you know, from those experiences, hopefully we can met out something that's positive and, and try to get next steps for that one DM. That's kind of been my experience with um, the subreddits is that it feels like the most common questions are problem players or problems at the table. And the answer always seems to just come back to like, you've got to talk to your players. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, I find it kind of interesting that it's it seems to be like the main type of problem like yeah people have dms have issues with like creating encounters or getting a story back on track or stuff like all kinds of various other problems but the largest percentage of questions seem to be around i'm having problems with a player and do you, do you know why that might be like why people seem to keep coming back with these same kinds of of questions yeah and um I, I truly don't think that people aren't getting this idea that you need to talk to your players. I feel like the majority of people understand that. You got to have a conversation and you got to talk it out with the people who, you know, make up this very small group. I think what it really stems from is that when something happens at the table and someone's feelings are hurt, they are looking for a way to kind of tell their story and they just want someone to say, you know, it's going to be okay. You know, this is not the end of the world. The sun will rise tomorrow. And I love these online communities because even though those questions come up all the time, Everyone's always willing to, to extend that olive branch to say, hey, you're not a bad person. You're not a bad DM. Sometimes things happen at the table and you will get through this. Um, so in that respect, something that never really gets talked about by these communities is that they're great support groups. If you have your feelings hurt at the table, you can talk about it and people will say, it's not your fault. It's going to be okay. And I, I really like that. Yeah, I have seen a few instances of people, it seemed like they were just looking for for validation like i wasn't in the wrong it was the other people but yeah for the most part it seems like the the support that you can get from from some of these places can be pretty great and one of the, the my favorite things that i've seen is um in in the D subreddit people talk about no D is better than bad D. &D. Um, the idea that it's better to be to not play than to be at a table every weekend where you're feelings are getting hurt or you're just getting ignored and you're just having a bad time. And I think that's a fantastic piece of advice. Yeah. I think these questions come up a lot too, because like 
problems at the table are very they're always very specific and individual so it's 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 hard to just look at a previous conversation about a problem because there's always an element that's different or something like that so it's always i think that's why you keep seeing it because it's like this is what's happening to me this is the personal involvement i have with this player this is this this is that and it's they're always very specific to the person asking the question. It's something that I've noticed, though, is it actually, I think it feels like that to everybody. But sometimes you can see a couple of different posts. And I think it's it's only really apparent when you've been in a place like this where you see these questions come up for, for more than a month or two. Like you have to be there for a few months and you start to see that they are unique, but they always share some commonality, whether it's, you know, a player who's not paying attention or always wants the, the the spotlight or stuff like that but yeah it, it's i think it's one of those things where everybody feels like their problems are unique and coming to one of these spaces whether you're having problems with players or problems with creating encounters or whatever you you get advice and if you stick around you realize that your problems aren't unique you just needed some advice and these are great places to to get advice yeah absolutely uh, one thing I will say about the advice that commonly gets, you know, doled out on these online communities is that a lot of times, a lot of these groups are online already. They're not people meeting every weekend at someone's house over a dinner table, having a couple snacks and a couple beers. Uh, it's people playing on Roll20 and what have you. So oftentimes you'll see the advice is, hey, the, the cost of actually showing up to a table is really cheap. Uh, you can just leave whenever you want. Which, you know, is still true in real life. But in real life, there is a, there's a little bit more commitment. I mean, you made out the trip to maybe a couple towns over. Maybe you brought a bottle of wine or something like that. So intrinsically, you just want to try to make it work. Oftentimes, you'll see that the advice is, well, if it's not working out, there's plenty of fish in the sea. Kind of missing the point sometimes that actually this group, you're great friends at work, you're great friends outside of work. um, And for whatever reason, this one game you're playing doesn't seem to be meshing very well. Yeah, that's that's something I've seen is people talking about, you know, playing online on Roll20 or wherever versus being a player at a table and the player at a table usually has a problem because this is the group of friends that they hang out with all the time it is much harder to tell your friends that you're not having fun than it is to tell a bunch of avatars on roll 20 like hey sorry i'm not having fun i'm not coming back next week yeah if somebody is looking to join one of these communities or dive in and, and start contributing or just wants to get some advice or whatever, is there any etiquette or anything like that when somebody is approaching one of these communities for the first time? This one's a little tricky. So I've talked to a lot of friends who want to join these communities, uh, friends in real life, and they're very intimidated by it. That's to say they're intimidated by most new situations. But for these particular communities, it seems... Like the same nuggets of wisdom are always dispensed. It seems like there's almost their own its own language, their own kind of quirks to it. So if, I guess I'll split my advice into two. One, if you're in this kind of group that you feel anxious about these communities, lurking is okay. Being on the sidelines and just watching as things progress and being silent and not con- not contributing, perfectly fine. And that's just to be expected of online communities. Once you feel that you have a good feeling about it and you feel like you can contribute to the conversation, even if it's just asking questions, everyone on these online communities really wants to see the community grow. Uh, you, you have to understand that everyone who's part of these communities loves the hobby and they want to talk about it. So if you can just have that as a baseline that, hey, we're here to talk about this thing we love, uh, you're probably going to me- be met with great, great positivity. I guess in the other way of saying it, if kind of the first thing you say is, 
negative. Let's say you want to, to call someone out on their grammar or you want to point something out that maybe isn't contributing to the conversation. You might struggle a little bit trying to break into community thereafter. So my advice is, you know, read the room more or less. Yeah, that's that's a great piece of advice because I've definitely seen a few times where somebody, you know, will come in and say, this is my first time here and you all suck, basically. Yeah. Somebody comes in thinking that their way is the best way and yeah, not reading the room. I'm always so confused by people who pop in and be like, your grammar is terrible or something like that. Like, why, I mean, A, why do you care? And B, why are, this is not contributing in any way. You're just popping in and being kind of a jerk. Like Some people are just mean. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> um, which actually brings me to a second point is whether you've just joining a community or you've been there for a long time, how do you deal with... Because every community, especially on Reddit, has to deal with the occasional troll or somebody just straight up being an asshole. How, how would you recommend that people deal with that kind of thing or how have you dealt with it in the past or how has the community dealt with it hmm. so on reddit it's kind of like a free-for-all obviously reddit has its own rules and things like that and there's a pretty robust reporting tool for it but you know when someone says something pretty hurtful you're going to take that and it's going to hurt even if it gets removed later on the damage has been done for those types of situations it's tough it it's a matter of trying to figure out what value you got out of the conversation and did it outweigh the the slings and arrows you had to suffer for it? Sometimes you come out on top, sometimes you don't. But I would say in a community like Reddit, if you take a look at it all in a big picture, you should usually come out on top uh, in, the, in the positive, in the black there. For a Discord type community, this one's a little bit tougher because the chat moves much faster. There's less history despite the fact they're searching and what have you. So even if you were to report something, you know, that damage could actually... That, that fire could spread and, and spiral into something really, really disgusting. So the best thing I can say is that just like any situation where things look like they're going to get a little rough, taking a step back, recognizing that, you know, there's another person on the other side of that screen and your words can, can hurt them just as much as their words hurt you. And just being patient and trying to listen to them can really, really go a far away. The reporting and all that kind of stuff, yes, it can happen, but just trying to build that baseline and going from there is probably the best defense you have in an online community. Yeah, and I found that in in Reddit and I'm in a couple of discords, it's, I mean, there's always going to be people who, who sneak in and yeah, like if somebody manages to, to, if somebody says something mean, there's always, you know, some lag time between either them saying it and you reporting it and it getting removed or a mod noticing and it getting removed, which... I feel like it's the kind of the one advantage Reddit has over real-time communication is that with Reddit, somebody who comments and says something mean or hurtful, uh, there's a possibility that it gets removed by a mod before you see it. And I think that's, with online communities, it feels like it, it's, it kind of comes down to the mods. And I feel like in the subreddits, the behind-the-screens D&D, um, and I've been in DM Academy a little bit, it's... It's really like the mods are kind of what make the community feel inclusive because they're the ones kind of on the front lines making sure everybody is adhering to the rules. And it's the same for the discords that I'm a part of where if the mods aren't active or don't seem to care, then places can get kind of hateful, basically. So <clears throat> I'm curious, Steve, are you active on 
any like Twitch communities at all. So it's the kind of the the real the other online community that we're not talking about. Yeah, so th- this one's a funny one because based on kind of the free time that I have and and ways I commit myself to the hobby, Twitch is not the best uh, platform for me. Sitting and watching D and D is pretty expensive for me, especially because most sessions go for you know three to four hours. Though I do really really enjoy it, I find myself really struggling to to keep up with the Twitch community. It moves really really fast. That said, I'm I'm a big fan of Critical Role. I think a lot of people are. I used to watch a lot of D20 babes. Uh, Shield Maidens uh, I watched. Uh, and these were kind of things I, I turned on and kind of, you know, would do other things. So it was like being part of a table and being uh, being part of the live studio audience, which was interesting. And I, I did enjoy it, um, but it was just tough to really break into community and, and be part of it. I definitely felt more passive there uh, versus, you know, on the subreddits and the discords. I feel like I'm actually doing stuff and people are listening and there's a there's an active conversation going on yeah that's kind of in my experience with twitch as well is that twitch is kind of a weird beast because it feels like if you're if you're watching a channel that doesn't have a ton of viewers then there kind of isn't anything happening chat wise and you can mostly just watch and enjoy but it feels like there's kind of a sweet spot where chat is manageable where you can jump in and actually have a conversation but it it feels like it very quickly can hit a point of critical mass and you're not really chatting you're just throwing phrases and emoticons into this stream of consciousness and like that's been my experience with like trying when i first started watching critical role was like i watched it on on twitch a couple of times and I was very quickly lost and just started, I very quickly moved to just watching on YouTube when they posted it there because it felt like the the chat was, it feels like the, the Twitch communities can become not insular, but just hard to get into sometimes because they very quickly become like these. They quickly develop like inside jokes. And, inside and jokes and ways of. meet, like ways emoticons are used that are unique to every single Twitch community. Oh, so wow, okay. yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very strange beast Twitch. Okay. Yeah. I, I really compare it to kind of like fandoms. So it's, if you've ever gone to like a, a sports stadium or something like that, no one's having really conversations about it. Everyone's just watching the same thing and shouting out in, into the void, cheering into the void, which is fun. That's awesome. And it's great to do sometimes. Uh, but if you're looking for something more intimate, like, you know, watching a show with some friends around the TV. Um, Twitch is a little bit of strange because, like you said. Uh, I've noticed that they've introduced uh, hosting, which is a little bit interesting, where if you find a good community, like if you have this one Twitch streamer uh, and and he or she has a smaller community and people talk and they have conversations, you know, they might host Critical Role, let's say. And then you're just chatting with those people in that smaller community. Uh, and then the chat becomes a little more active if that's what you're looking for. Um, so there are tools for Twitch Limited experience with them, but uh, it's definitely out there and definitely worth, I would say, at least exploring if that's into uh, what you're into. And what about places like online communities where people actually play D&D? Like uh, Roll20 is probably the biggest example, but have you ever been part of any like play-by-post forums or anything like that? Yeah, so I, I've tried my hand at play-by-post forums. Been to a lot. Basically, people invite me to stuff and they say, hey, you'd probably really enjoy this. But to be honest, D&D for me is a, is a very live experience. It's a very back and forth active experience. And I feel that play by post for me personally is just too passive. 
you kind of put your posts, you put your actions into words, you ship that off, and you check back the next day. Um, and it can feel like ages until something actually happens versus, you know, being at a table, rolling some dice. Probably by the end of three hours, you're probably going to get quite a bit done. That said, Roll20, I love. I love that platform. It's just a really convenient way to, for me at least, turn on some mics, turn on some webcams, and just be at the virtual table. I really, really enjoy it for that. I know some people play Roll20 with no mics, uh, no webcams, and in that respect, it becomes more like a, a chat box with a board, which is, you know, I can see that being fun as well. But Roll20 for me is just a really great way to get some people to to feel close to each other and play the game. Roll20. Yeah, I think... Sorry, go on. <laughs> I was just going to say that, like, the the, the the aspect of having, like, uh, audio and or video chat while you're doing Roll20 is probably why it got so big because it means that people who like not everybody is a fast typer. Uh, not everybody can type out what they're thinking fast enough for it to still have meaning in the conversation. Whereas pretty much everybody can can talk. I mean, there there there's still going to be people who are disadvantaged and uh, who are dealing with disabilities where they can't participate. But for pretty much everybody else, being able to just hang out with a webcam and a microphone or just a just a webcam with a microphone in it means that the the bar for entry is much much lower so pretty much everybody can get involved which i think is fantastic the uh the one thing i would mention about roll 20 is that they also have a, a group finding feature like their forums and things like that that's something i have very little experience with it and i'm actually a little afraid to see what's there because i've heard the horror stories because it's online because there are so many players compared to dms and everyone's basically strangers you're gonna see a lot of application processes to join groups which is not as organic as it is in real life you're gonna see dms who are requesting that their players maybe be of a certain age or that their players you know can write to a certain grammatical finesse you'll also see some dms who are actually charging for their time which is a whole different mixed bag so Roll20's group finding system, it's its a mixed experience, I would say. I would recommend most people actually try to use something more organic, like talking with people, maybe jumping Discord, maybe uh, LFG, the subreddit, uh, and trying to, to figure something out more organically than maybe these uh, more rigid application processes. Yeah, I've seen a couple of threads online about people talking about how this application process has kind of evolved and i can see see the use because it it kind of forces the like a dm and a player to interact and it kind of like i've seen some dms defend it as a way of saying like hey all of our time is precious and you've got to commit to like this application process is you saying that yeah i'm going to commit to two hours a week every wednesday or whatever time that you're going to be playing but i've seen a lot of people like like i've seen some people posting some applicate like uh, example applications of you know yeah people looking for people who can write to a certain like a certain level or having microphones of a certain quality or room noise of a certain quality and it's 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 kind of odd i feel i feel like the applications are great if you want to i, I understand wanting to play with people who are maybe over 18 or, or something like that or but like, yeah, I think the certain writing ability seems unnecessary. I, I guess if you're playing just a text game, it makes sense. But like, yeah, I I see the use for it, but it sounds like it's kind of gotten out of hand. Yeah, 
as to the DMs asking to be paid, I've actually I've been thinking about that myself recently because it's it's something that I can see why some people would be against it because most people who play well maybe not now but definitely in in earlier years like most people get involved with D&D when they're in in high school or or even elementary school where having to pay for a DM would just be the height of absurdity but you know for DMs who are in their 30s or 40s or 50s or you know whatever like there are probably dms out there who are 90 but having to deal with like because a dm has to do a whole bunch of work and if you're doing it for people online like roll 20 where you can't you don't see them at work you don't see them you know when you go to hang out with your friends asking people to pay feels like it's a way to guarantee that they're going to show up because if they pay then they've invested something and it makes them more likely to show up and i i can see both sides because people are some people probably still think of D as like it's a thing i do with friends and because you know they're still thinking of it as that kind of elementary high school mentality of like well it's something we do with friends for free in our in our spare time whereas some dms are looking at it as i have to do eight hours of work for a two-hour session i should get paid for this yeah and you know to your point i definitely see both sides to it It, charging as a charging to be a dm is not necessarily a bad thing and from most dms who i've talked to who who have experiments with it or are thinking about doing it generally the thought process goes well on roll 20, I'm going to buy some really nice assets. That's going to cost me probably about X dollars a month. Uh, if I have these many players that are going to be using them, then I do some division and I need to charge them about this much to break even or maybe a little bit higher in case something goes awry. And, you know, that actually makes a lot of sense. And in real life too, my players in a way almost pay me. Uh, the amount of gifts they give me after, you know, a really long campaign or things like that they'll buy me little minis maybe the next time edition comes out maybe they'll get together and buy me a book which are great heartwarming gifts but in a way they're almost you know compensating me for my time as weird as it is to say that yeah and i've actually heard stories of people in real life getting paid to dm like there's a i remember a story of some some somebody who met somebody who was you know, fairly well off, but there was nobody in his area who would DM. So he paid somebody to drive like three hours on a weekend. Like every every Saturday night, this guy would drive, this DM would drive for three hours to go and DM for this rich guy and his friends because there was nobody else who could do it. And yes, it's, it's kind of the same thing as that on Roll20 of like, well, I've got to buy these assets as well. There's nobody here who can DM, and the closest person is going to be spending a lot of money on gas, so we'll make it worth their while. So yeah, totally. I can I can see that that's a very good argument for paying for DMs. Or um, like uh, what happens with Craig. Uh, we interviewed a fellow named Craig in our third episode, and he does, I think, twice a month drop-in games, and he's had so much demand from his friends that he's started doing or asking people to donate money because like, he runs a weekly game, and then he runs these games, and people want to play, so he's trying to run more, and he, he basically needs some compensation for his time. Um, but that's the other thing, is like he runs free ones, and then he runs by donation ones, so people can choose whether they want to go in or not. It's not the same group always having to pay him yeah i think it's it's the one thing like it's the thing the point of contention i see mostly on subreddits where it's a mix of players and dms dm only subreddits kind of understand a little bit better that dms put in more work than the players see some 
Some DMs are better about managing their time and only putting in, they only prep what they need to and they, you know, keep things pretty simple when it comes to homebrew, like when they're creating stories and plots because players will always find ways to break things. But some players I've seen online don't seem to understand just how much work some DMs put into things, especially if they're passionate about what they're doing and they really want to provide a good experience. And yeah, I can I can see all of the arguments for DMs charging because... They put a lot of work in, and for some of them, it might end up becoming a second job, like with Craig. Yeah, definitely. Do you have any other questions, Jesse? Um, no specific ones. Do you have anything else you'd like to talk about, Steve? Yeah, so since we're talking about online communities, I think uh, one thing I haven't really talked about is kind of collaborative world building and, and collaborations when it comes to actually playing D&D. As time has gone on, I've noticed that being online kind of opened up this idea that Building a world by yourself is tough. It's it's really hard. But these online communities allow you to really kind of gather some extra minds, extra eyes, extra thoughts to really make your world feel different. Instead of just being, you know, this is Steve's world and Steve always has the same ideas. It's always going to be, you know, Firefly meets Star Wars. You know, I can have these this person be like, hey, actually, I'm an art history major. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, this family called the Medici. And that's really awesome for me because obviously I don't have the time to, to sit down and do four years of research on the Medici. But having those very small pieces and bridging the gap between what I know from sci-fi channel versus what actually happened in Italy, that's a fantastic resource that, you know, before the age of the internet, maybe it wasn't always possible or the easiest to do. So, so currently right now, I'm actually playing around with this new idea where I have a collaborative world building community. We're all trying to build one giant continent the size of North America. We're trying to get everything kind of documented and detailed, and we're trying to manage the data that everyone's generating. Everyone has great ideas and someone has to, to go and manage it. In addition to that, all the DMs and all their groups, as they play through the world, obviously they change it. They affect it by talking to people, by giving out information, by killing some like mayors and things like that. And that all has to get managed too. And it's in this online forum that we can really start to manage it and, and explore what's possible here. That sounds amazing and frustrating. <laughs> The, the amount of logistics that goes into it is crazy. And when we first started the project, we had no idea we were in for. We were just like, oh, yeah, we have 100 people who want to contribute. This is going to work out fine. This is going to work itself out. <laughs> no, it, it was not like that. So after about a month or so after we realized that, you know what, we're really struggling here, we started separating out tasks and, and really kind of managing it like a project, which for some people doesn't sound that much fun. But for me, I love it. <laughs> so so the, the community is called Rollit, uh, like R-O-L-E. IT that has a subreddit, there's a Discord, all that kind of stuff. Um, and what we've done is we've decided that we're going to have a DM for the DMs and trying to kind of introduce this extra layer. And it's that extra layer that the DMs are going to report back to. And it's these people that are going to try to filter and gather information. So for me, despite the fact that I did a little bit of world building here and there, my, my main role in this is not to world build and not to be a DM. My role is to talk to the DMs, see what's going on and get a good feel for it. And because it's online, because I can do this, this for me is a completely novel way to play Dungeons and Dragons. One that I, not in a million years, would ever thought would, would come about. So that is, play online. Online's great. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to say that something you said, said earlier about, you know, being able to get advice or, or feedback from somebody who has a, who's an art history major or a poli-sci major or whatever. Like, being able to 
pick somebody's brain on on an event or somebody coming up with like suggesting a different way that that elves might work in your world or a different way that magic might work is super helpful i feel especially for for newer dms or people who are new to like fantasy and high fantasy in general where maybe all they've had experience with is lord of the rings and the hobbit like they're coming into D as somebody who who you know saw those movies and like found out that there's a game where you can play as Aragorn and like that's fine that's like if that's the kind of world that somebody wants to to play in and run around in then that's that's great but for for DMs like getting exposed to a different way of creating worlds or characters or stuff like that I feel is a little bit important because it keeps DMs from getting burnt out because I mean there there are some DMs who can run a single world for decades like i've heard crazy stories and seen pictures of people who have folders upon folders of notes on a single world they've been running for 30 years but most dms you know they'll do a campaign for a year maybe less maybe more but then they do another campaign and if you keep running the same campaign essentially over and over again i could see myself getting burnt out doing that i have a friend who's got a major in sociology and i kind of want to <laughs> send him to look at roll it because i think that would be really fascinating for him. oh yeah it's it's something i've never really had much experience with i had no idea what i was in for but once i got into it it was it's a rewarding frustrating and overall great experience <laughs> yeah, speaking of people who are coming from different backgrounds, uh, my background actually is in uh, biophysics, oddly enough. And I remember one time I was having a conversation in DM Mentors Guild, and we were talking about zombies. Uh, and I'm like, I, I know a lot about how models and things like diseases go about, but I know very little about uh, microscopic organisms. And then I found this guy who's a biochemist who works in a hospital. So he sees a lot of pathological reports and things like that. And we had an in-depth really disgusting gross conversation about, <laughs> about zombies and and you know what that's but that was super rewarding for me and it, it felt great at the end of this four hour long conversation we were talking really in detail about it and again i don't think you could have that conversation as easily if online D communities weren't a thing yeah yeah okay uh steve what's one thing that you know now about interacting with online communities, uh, especially with D&D, that you wish you knew kind of when you started doing that? The one thing I would, I wish I knew back then is that the internet will always have it, but people forget very easily. And, and what I mean by that is that it's okay to take risks. It's okay to put your foot in your mouth sometimes because everyone makes mistakes. A million mistakes get made in a day. So it's going to be okay. If you say something and someone takes it the wrong way, it's going to be okay. You can always come back to it later on. You can ignore it. You can try to clarify. No matter what happens, we're all just talking about Dungeons and Dragons, and we're all here to have a good time. Cool. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. I definitely learned a little bit, and I'm going to go back and take a closer look at some of these communities for sure. Absolutely. I very much appreciate you guys having me. It's been great to talk about this, and uh, hopefully, yeah, you, you kind of got an impression that I'm really passionate about this kind of stuff. Thanks so much for coming on, Steve. Uh, where can people find you online? Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Steve uh, Stephen V. Wynn. Um, they can also take a look at my YouTube channel, which is Dungeons and Disasters, where I take my actually online streams and I cut them down to 20 minutes. So they're kind of nice little sized episodes. Uh, and then on the online communities that I kind of mentioned. So there's DM Mentors Guild, our DM Academy, and there's the Roll It Discords. And in addition, you know, you might find me floating around the subreddit. It's like rd 
our DM Academy, and our uh, D&D Behind the Screen. And we'll have links to all of that in the show notes, because that is a lot of places to try and Google. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, so thank you so much for for, uh, for talking to us. And Awesome. Thanks again. Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Our logo and other artwork is done by the wonderful Haley Boros. Our theme music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at DMs of Vancouver, all one word. We'd love to hear from you folks about topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Lastly, if you want to help us out, we've got a Patreon account where you can become a patron for as little as $1 a month. Each little bit helps, and all the money will go to making this podcast as awesome as possible. See you next time, folks. Roll for initiative!